speechless with admiration or horror i should not like to say which what are they doing it for he whispered to phil throwing himself in his consternation even upon that small commentator for instruction phil's eyes were screwed tightly in his head round as two great o's of amazement but he only shook that organ and made no response i think on the whole phil was the one of all the assembly except his mother who enjoyed it most he was privileged to sit and look on while others were before his eyes subjected to the torture from which he had temporarily escaped phil enjoyed it from this point of view and lady mary enjoyed it in the delight of carrying out her plan and riding high upon her favourite hobby she listened devoutly while the earliest propositions of euclid were being explained to her with a proud and happy consciousness that thus by her means the way to think was opened to a section at least of womankind and what was more this very clever woman put herself quite docilely at her lecturer's feet and listened to every word he said with the full intention of learning how to think in her own person notwithstanding that apart from her hobby she had about as much confidence in her own power of thought as most people this curious paradox however is not so uncommon that i need dwell upon it the other persons who enjoyed the lecture most were i think myra witherington who now and then looked across to her friend phil and made up her pretty face into such a delightful copy of the lecturers that phil rolled upon his seat with suppressed laughter and miss annetta baker who there being no possibility of croquet parties at this time of the year enjoyed the field day immensely and nodded to her friends and made notes of lady mary's hat and of the new spring dresses in which the rectory girls certainly appeared too early with genuine pleasure the other ladies present did their best to be very attentive sometimes a faintly smothered sigh would run through the assembly sometimes a little cough taken up like a fugue over the different benches gave a slight relief to their feelings sometimes it would be a mere rustle of dresses indicative of a slight universal movement the curate's wife unable to keep up her attention fell to adding up her bills within herself a much more necessary mathematical exercise in her case but one also which did very little towards paying the same as poor mrs mildmay knew too well miss franks the old doctor's eldest daughter after the first solemnity of the commencement wore off began to think of her packing and what nonsense it was of papa to send her here when there was so much to do especially as they were leaving harbour green and lady mary's favour did not matter now there was one real student besides lady mary and that was ellen gregory the daughter of the postmistress who sat far back and was quite unthought of by the great people and whose object was to learn a little euclid for an approaching examination of pupil teachers and not in the least the art of thinking ellen was quite satisfied as to her powers in that particular but she knew the effect that a little euclid had upon a school inspector and worked away with a will with a mind as much intent as lady mary's and eyes almost as round as phil's from this it will be seen that lady mary's audience was about as little prepared for abstract education as most other audiences when it was over there was a pleasant stir of relief and everybody began to breathe freely 
the lecturer came from behind his table and the ladies rose from their benches and everybody shook hands oh it was delightful lady mary said the eldest miss witherington how it does open up one's mental firmament mr thornley will you help me to do the fourth problem said myra i don't understand it a bit but of course you know all about it i cried harry recoiling in horror you don't mean it miss witherington it's a shame to drag a fellow into this sort of thing without any warning i couldn't do a sum to save my life lady mary do you hear is it any shame to me not to understand it when a university man says just the same cried myra laughing poor harry felt himself most cruelly assailed as well as ill-used altogether by being led into this extraordinary morning's work i hope there's more use in a university than that rot he said by jove aunt mary i've often heard women had nothing to do but if you can find no better way of passing your time than doing sums and problems and getting up euclid at your time of life take him away for heaven's sake myra whispered lady mary he is not a fool when you talk to him he is just like other young men good enough in his way but i can't be troubled with him now ah cried myra with an unconscious imitation of lady mary's own manner which startled and terrified and enchanted all the bystanders if the higher education was only open to us poor women if we were not persistently kept from all means of improving ourselves we might get in time to be as intellectual as mr thornley she added laughing in her own proper voice lady mary did not hear the end of this speech she did not see herself in the little mimic's satire she was too much preoccupied and too serious to notice the fun and the smiles upon the faces of her friends annoyed without enlightening her how frivolous we all are she said turning to the eldest miss baker with a sigh off at a tangent as soon as ever the pressure is removed i am sure i don't want to think it but sometimes i despair and feel that we must wait for a new generation before any real education is possible among women they are all like a set of schoolboys let loose my dear lady mary that is what i am always telling you not one in a hundred is capable of any intellectual elevation said the only superior person in the assembly and they drew near the lecturer and engaged him in a tough conversation though he poor man having done his duty and being as pleased to get it over as the audience would have much preferred the merrier crowd who were streaming with suppressed laughter shaking their heads and uttering admonitions to wicked myra out into the sunshine through the open door don't do that again cried phil very red i say myra i like you and your fun and all that but i'll never speak to you again as long as i live if you take off mamma i didn't mean it dear said myra penitent i'm so sorry i beg your pardon phil lady mary's a dear and i wouldn't laugh at her for all the world but don't you ever mimic any one there's a good boy for one gets into the habit without knowing what one does oh that's all very fine said phil feeling the exhortation against a sin for which he had no capability to be out of place but he did not refuse to make up the incipient quarrel as for harry he had not listened and consequently was not aware how much share he had in the cause of the general hilarity i should like to know what all the fun's about he said good lord to see you all at it like girls at school 
Ladies are like sheep, it seems to me. Where one goes, you all follow, because that good little aunt of mine has a craze about education. Do you all mean to make muffs of yourselves? Well, I'm not a man that stands up for superior intellect and that sort of thing. Much. But good gracious, do you ever see men go in for that sort of nonsense? That is because you are all so much cleverer and better educated to start with, Mr. Thornley, said Sissy Witherington. He looked up at her to see if she were laughing at him, but Sissy was incapable of satire and meant what she said. "'Well, perhaps there is something in that,' said Harry, mollified, stroking his moustache. Harry lunched with the Witheringtons at their urgent request, and thus shook himself free from Phil, who was disposed, in the absence of Earnshaw, to attach himself to his cousin. Mrs. Witherington made much of the visitor, not without a passing thought, that if by any chance he should take a fancy to Myra, and of course Myra to him, though that was a secondary consideration, why, more unlikely things might come to pass. But Harry showed no dispositions that way, and stood and stared out of the window of the front drawing-room, after luncheon, towards Mrs. Smith's lodgings, on the other side of the green, with a pertinacity which amazed his hostesses. When he left them, he walked in the same direction slowly, with his eyes still fixed on the cottage, with its green shutters and dishevelled creepers. Poor Harry could not think of any excuse for a second call. He went along the road towards the cottage, hoping he might meet the object of his thoughts, and stared in at the window through the matted growth of holly and rhododendrons in the little garden, equally without effect. She had been seated there on the previous evening, but she was not seated there now. He took a long walk and came back again once more, crossing slowly under the windows and examining the place, but still saw nothing. If Margaret had only known of it, where she sat listlessly inside, feeling extremely dull and in want of a little excitement, how much good it would have done her, and she would not have been so unkind as to refuse her admirer a glance. But she did not know, and Harry went back very unhappy, dull and depressed, and feeling as if life were worth very little indeed to him. Had that heavenly vision appeared, only to go out again, to vanish forever, from the eyes which could never forget the one glimpse they had had of her? Harry had never known what it was to be troubled with extravagant hopes or apprehensions before. End of chapter 4